Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 303. After a long regular season, tightly contested conference championships, and the pressure cooker known as NCAA regionals, we are here at Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona for the 2023 NCAA Division I National Championship. Before getting into this episode, a quick congrats to Rose Zhang from Stanford for capturing the NCAA Division I Women's Individual Championship and Wake Forest. They picked up the first team title in program history. So congratulations to them for their incredible season and make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify because I'll be speaking with Wake Forest Women's Associate Head Coach Ryan Potter to discuss their magical run to the championship out here in the desert in a future episode. This episode, however, is a special one. It's a preview for the Men's National Championship. I'm joined by a handful of the best sources of information in the world of college golf. Joining me on this episode, Cameron Jordan and Lance Ringler from Golf Week and Ryan Frazier from Agora Golf. We broke down some of the teams and individuals that performed the best during the regular season, the coaches that will look to lead these teams to the national championship, and perhaps some insight on who might be left standing at the very end. There's a lot on the line for these teams and for the individual champion, an invitation to the Masters and the U.S. Open. Let's jump into this episode, recorded here in Scottsdale at the Haskins House. All right, so here we are. Uh, we are finally here at Greyhawk for the 2023 National Championship, the Division One Men's National Championship, and uh, doing something a little bit different here at the back of the range. We are not at the back of the range. We are actually at the Haskins House. Uh, several esteemed media members, college golf insiders here at, uh, yeah, the official home, the, the official uh, summer home, I guess, of the Haskins Award. So joining me is uh, Cameron Jordan from Golf Week, Lance Ringler from Golf Week, Mr. Ryan Frazier from Agora Golf. So um, Cameron, we're going to start with you. You're kind of the newcomer uh, in the in the golf media space, uh, just joining uh, the Golf Week team and um, here at Greyhawk. So we're going to kind of do a little bit of a roundtable, kind of share some ideas. Cameron, I guess maybe a little bit of background about what your last year has been like following college golf that's leading you up to, to this point here uh, at the national championship. Yeah, it's uh, it's all come together pretty quickly. You know, it's uh, started back in July of last year. So really kind of as the calendar turned and everything started picking up for the fall of this season, um, got to go up to the Onik Intercollegiate, the 12-team women's field that uh, ended up being a really good tournament. And uh, Wake Forest actually ended up winning that. And then, of course, they captured the the women's title just uh, just yesterday as well, um, or on Wednesday, excuse me. And, uh, um, you know, college golf, getting back into it and learning more about it, it's it's been really fun to follow. There's so many different storylines, so many different teams. And, I mean, there's been so many um, great, great storylines and great players on both sides to watch this year. Um, and on the men's side, it's gotten really exciting this spring. You've had kind of the, three, the three-headed race for – uh, the Haskins Award coming down to the wire here. Um, I'm really excited for this championship because there's there's so many different teams could win. Um, if if 
just with the way this golf course is going to be set up, um, it's going to play the same as it has. It's going to be firm. It's going to be fast. You're going to have to putt really well, but it's going to be a lot of different teams are going to have an opportunity to win. And, um, I'm really looking forward to this week. Now, you're coming into it with fresh eyes, so to speak. You're, again, kind of a new to, I guess, the college golf uh, beat, but uh, the gentleman sitting next to you is – I don't know if grizzled veteran. He's definitely grizzled uh, and a veteran. So yeah, grizzled veteran. Uh, you know, Lance Ringler, you are. I mean, anyone that follows you on Twitter knows that you have the absolute pulse of, of college golf and amateur golf. This is not your first go around. Can you even tell me how, where where are we on number of national championships you've been to? I was just trying to figure that out. So, <clears throat> 2020, um, I believe. Auburn, Oklahoma State, Charles House. So what's that about? Twenty. Well, that's two thousand two or two thousand two. Yeah, I said two thousand twenty. <laughs> Getting old. Two thousand two. So we're going on, somewhere around there. Okay. <laughs> so it's been consecutive since then on both the men's and women's side. So probably like twenty, twenty one or twenty two now in a row uh, on both the men and women. And uh, we obviously we missed the COVID year. Sure. But um, yeah, they I I, I gotta. When I look at a list, it rem- I, re- I remember the course, remember the people you talk to, you remember the, the holes. I have to look at a list now. One thing that was always fun was Ron Balicki, who I worked with for many, many years, and he was considered the godfather of college golf. He he was so, so good at remembering who won that year, what player won, who came in second. He And I can't do that. I try. It's just too hard to, to put it together. When I see the course, then I can get it. But he could do it just rattling it off without seeing any any clues but uh yeah it's it's been a lot of fun i i've grown to the, the, my passion for college golf is unlike any other i mean i think about it every day all year long i i you know i think it, if i could tweet something every day about college golf i try to do that even in the off season so it's just a great it's a great sport it's great people great friends you've I've met along the way and and people always ask don't you do you want to do anything different and I'm like no I'm kind of committed to this at this yeah. point I can't really step away so uh really enjoy it and looking forward to another uh championship here at Greyhawk as the chapter closes here at Greyhawk for the men's and women's championships um Ryan you are uh, the head of Agora Golf really it's it's a all-encompassing um, service you provide through uh, whether it's junior golf recruiting, pairing up players with coaches, or kind of being just an incredible source of information. This kind of has to feel a little bit like, like kind of like graduation week in some sense for you because you follow these these players as young kids that are trying to figure out where are they going to play college golf, and now you get to see these kids on the biggest stage of college golf, getting ready to. You know, in some cases, they're closing their college career, and you're looking back saying, man, I remember this kid when he was 13 years old. And and then you're also seeing kids that you just recently saw, and now they're thrust as freshmen right on the top stage. What is this week like for you for what you try and communicate to your followers and to people that are passionate about college golf? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of mixed emotions. Um, I love watching these kids develop through their junior careers and get on to college. Um, and hopefully have success. And, you know, I see a kid like Patrick Welch, um, a ninth year senior at Oklahoma. I don't know. He's been there for quite a while. He's been there. Yeah. I didn't miss that. You said ninth year senior. That's not, so. that's not accurate. Yeah. No, but, no, no. but he's been he, he, there for a while. He was a high school 2018. So, yeah. uh, but I remember, um, was it the U S junior in Truckee and he was like, a going into eighth grade maybe. Wow. And, you know, I see this little cross handed kid. I'm like, what is, 
what is that? Well, he's not cross-handed. His grip is cross-handed, but yeah, correct. correction. Yeah. Correct. correct. Um, and yeah, you know, so it's, it's cool to have seen his junior career and now his college career. And, uh, you know, it'd be sad to see it end, um, you know, hopefully next Wednesday for the Sooners, but you know, you never know. And, and, it, and it's, it's the same way with, with, on the girl's side, you know, Monday and Tuesday watching some of those, those careers in and just knowing like that might be their last, you know, yeah. competitive round. It, it, it's, it's, you feel for them, you know, it's like, oh, that chapter's done. Like, you know, good luck yeah. with what you choose to do, though. It's it's exciting. You've been here for some of the women's golf uh, for the national championship. Just saw Wake Forest beat USC uh, yesterday, actually. Um, and this is not your first time at Greyhawk. We're going to get into the uniqueness of this venue for to, to crown a national champion. But maybe what were some of your expectations and thoughts coming in that maybe have changed in the last few days as it might apply to what the men are going to experience in the next next few days, uh, you know, this year uh, at least uh, for the girls, uh, the, the weather seemed uh, the, the wind in the afternoon wasn't there um, right. until until yesterday the, or Wednesday during the championship match. Uh, we finally felt like the the Greyhawk afternoon wind that can really affect teams. Um, you know, playing in the afternoon seems to be the disadvantage, um, so you want to avoid those. So, it, um, you know, if it, if it can remain kind of calm for the men, maybe maybe it's not, not as big of a, a storyline, you know, as far as, you know, if you're in the afternoon wave on Sunday, um, you might have a really good chance still to be in the, get in the top 15. Yeah. Cameron, what, what, have, what have you seen in the last few days? I know you've been covering the women as well, but what, I guess, really excites you about what maybe the men are going to be able to do here at, at Greyhawk? You know, the last few years, I think, when they uh, they play 18 and they play 7 as a par 4, and that's kept, obviously, when it's a par 70 compared to a par 72, the score is going to be a little bit different. But I agree a lot with what Ryan said. Depending on what the wind does in the afternoon, uh, we saw there were two uh, two teams on the women's side who played in that afternoon wave we were able to get into the top 15. Um, and depending on what the wind does for the men, I think they'll be able to be attack this course a little bit more, obviously playing a little bit longer, uh, almost at 7,300 yards. Um but it's just going to be interesting to see kind of how they attack some of the more scorable holes. You know, there's you don't need a lot of drivers at Greyhawk. You can um, you you can hit driver, but you have to be so accurate off the tee, and if you're not, it's extremely penal. Um, so I'm really interested to see if the wind stays down, if some of these teams or some of these players who are really good off the tee, if they maybe tend to be a little bit more aggressive than they have in the past, just because they'll have more opportunities to do so. So. The goal is obviously to win a national championship for these teams. It's such a, a massive opportunity. But, you know, for some teams, and I know this is going to sound really cliche, but I guess just being here is an honor. Being here, getting through regionals is really an accomplishment. So what teams, Lance, do you think fit into that category where they may it, they may not have a, a opportunity to win the national championship? Maybe that's a little bit out of their reach, but – they can do some really special things here this week that could, you know, potentially elevate their program for a couple of years to come, like help with recruiting. Yeah, you know, the first thing the first thing that comes to mind when you when you ask that question, Ben, is these teams have had to to play really good golf to get here. They've obviously had to to earn that bid, whether it's through their conference um, or through the regional. So. I, did, I just talked to a guy earlier today about about something similar because he asked me who the St. Peter's was. Yeah, uh, and and honestly, you know, 
Chattanooga is a team who's who's here. Maybe the they might be the lowest ranked team, I believe. Um, um, yeah, but my point to that is there's there's checkpoints in this process that pretty much keep a St. Peter's out. So you don't really get that type of, of, of team. So for the most part, the 30 teams that are here are fairly deserving. Um, you have some, you know, obviously you have your elite power five teams that are here often, but the other teams, you know, Duke, you wouldn't consider, I mean, yeah, they're good. They, yeah. they haven't been here in what, this is in three years type team, but you wouldn't consider them a team that is going to benefit from this. It's just what they expect to do. And some years they get here, some years they don't. So I, I just don't think there are a lot of those teams year in and year out that do get here and, and, and have that. Uh, Chattanooga has been here in the past when Mark June was the coach, they, they had some really good teams. Stephen Fox was, was a U.S. amateur champion and yeah. part of those teams. So, and, and to my, and if I'm to my knowledge, there's not one team here that hasn't been here before. Colorado is a team who, has a long span. I mean, I don't know how many years it's been, 15 years, somewhere in that range, uh, early 2000s maybe. You just don't get that because that's the way it's set up. It's set up in a way in, in a way to kind of checkpoints and clear hurdles, and, and that's we just don't get that type of Cinderella story here at the championship. Yeah. Frazier, you're, uh, you're so plugged in with, with junior golf and with, um, with obviously college golf. And you're seeing these teams and seeing these players really come in. I'm kind of picking off, piggybacking off the question that I, I presented to, to to Lance. But are, are there players and programs that you're looking at that this is a huge opportunity for them that that maybe they're a little bit over out over their skis, but can still do something special? Sure. Yeah. I don't know if they're out over their skis because I think they've had a really good year. But um, I look at a team like Virginia who had two great signees uh, join the program, Ben James and, and um, Brian Lee, you know, former junior rider cuppers. And, and they, they, you know, they've had terrific freshman year. Ben James, um, he had five wins, 10 top fours. You've been um, throwing that stat around this house for the last three days. I know. I just, I, I think it's amazing. You know, it's, I, I don't feel it's gotten enough attention. Um, you know, I, I agree that I think it's a three horse weight race for the Haskins, but, my fourth horse that's in there is Ben James. Um, but that, that team, uh, you got Devin Patel, you've got uh, Pietro. Um, Bavari from Italy. Yep. Who's going to spend the entire summer, I think. So he's done after this year, and I just talked to him today, and he's going to like spend the entire summer in Europe playing golf. I'm like, that sounds amazing. It does. And George, they, they've, they've got a five. They can, they can do some damage. They, they yeah. can get to match play. Um, but this is a new experience. They haven't been here, I think, since 2017. Um, so it's, it, you know, I was watching them in the practice round. They were going, they couldn't find 14 T, you know, from 13 green. Yeah. So, you know, I know they're, they're a young team. They're a confident team, but, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch them and see if, if they can play up to the, the, their capabilities. Um, or if, you know, they get that first year jitters after, you know, not being here for a while. So you mentioned Ben James of Virginia, obviously he has to be the front runner for, for Mickelson freshman of the year award, I think, or at least in the conversation. Well, I mean, does does he have a chance? I know we're going to talk more about the Haskins Award. Voting is open. There's a link to voting in the in the show notes of this episode, and we'll be pumping that out a lot more in the next few days. But Ben James wins the individual. Does that put him over the top? And for Haskins, in your opinion, I mean, six wins. He wins a regional. 
Uh, he finishes third at conference. I, I, I haven't voted. I'm waiting until yeah, see what yeah. happens on Monday because I think there are players that are still capable of winning the Haskins. Yeah, with a with potentially with a win or, or a really strong showing and, and seeing how the top guys perhaps play. So yeah, he's I, I've I've been a big fan of Ben James all year. I mean, he won two of his first three starts, and I think he had a T two and and the one that he didn't win. Um, and everybody talks about the biggest knack on him is their schedule, um, Virginia's schedule. He can only play the schedule that was presented to him. He can't control which tournaments he goes to and everything. Uh, but what he's done down the stretch. Um, Tying for medalist honors at the regional uh, T3 at ACCs. I mean, he's just been on a tear this year. I mean, five wins is the most in Division One. So if he comes out here and, and finds a way to, to be victorious at Greyhawk, which we know freshmen have had plenty of success here in the men's and women's side, um, yeah, he very well could win it. Um, his strength of schedule is nowhere near as good as the other three who we've kind of mentioned who are in front of the race. But um, he's had a spectacular year, and it can't it cannot go. Um, it can't not be discussed about because he's, he's been terrific. If you were to add another win to it, he very well, that may be the kind of the crowning achievement to put him above those other guys. Yeah. Um, you know, you just mentioned Ben James and you kind of alluded to the other three. We're talking about uh, Ludwig Aberg and Gordon Sargent and uh, Michael Thurbjornson, probably the, the three um, uh, kind of leaders of the pack as far as Haskins award voting goes. Um, you know, let me ask you all three of you the same question. Um, if you're a golf fan in Scottsdale, and maybe you're not a big, huge college golf fan, maybe not an amateur golf fan, and you want to come out and check out this whole national championship thing, it's your first time. Who are some players that you would want to tell someone, hey, you got to go watch this group? You got to go watch these players. Hey, they're going to play 72 holes of stroke play, um, you know, 54 hole cut. So everyone is here for at least three more days. Who are some players that, you know, you should make sure you get a chance to go follow at some point? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of great players here. Christo Lamprecht, George Tech, um, Tommy Morrison, who can just a, is an inch taller. They're both like six nine, six ten, tower giants. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Uh, you got a lefty like David Ford or Austin Greaser, both from North Carolina. Um, those are fun kids to watch, and they're really good. Lance, who are you going to watch the, while you're here? You know, I'm just going to park at 17 Green and no, no, watch no, them no. all. That, that's my spot. Well, no, I'll be there with you. Okay, why? Does it, I, no, I'm not. <laughs> because no, it's, we it's can hang best, out together. It's a, it's a, we, yeah, absolutely, we <laughs> can. That's the best spot at Greyhawk because it's probably the only spot in the shade. And I think I'm going to go to a furniture store and get some couches and just set up shop. But, yeah, 17 Green's a good spot. Yeah, but, no, I mean, I tell people this all the time. I get that question a lot of time when, you know, you're doing a radio show, national radio show, or, and they talk about the championship. And if people go – you know, you can watch any of these kids and watch them swing the club, and it's unlike what they see at their local club, or it's unlike what their dad swings like, or their brother, or their uncle, or their next door neighbor. It, it, you just really just go out and you be you can get close to them. Um, if you bring little kids out, it's just the 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 intimacy of it. It all is really good. I, I just say watch any and all. You know, just because it's just amazing how the the club head speed they generate, and to watch the ball flight, and to to see how they hit shots around the greens. You can't go wrong watching anybody, Cameron. You gotta you gotta pick one one person that you cannot leave Arizona without watching him play at least nine holes. I feel like, arguably, I mean, depending on what you say, he's he hasn't had the most consistency over the last twelve months. But the guy who's been the biggest story on the national stage is Sam Bennett. He he can drive people nuts with the pace of play conversation. Sure, but he also is a really good golfer. He went. 
five under 31 on his back nine to get Texas A&M in a playoff in regionals, and then Texas A&M ends up winning just to get here. Uh, he birdied the last hole to get them into the playoff. Um, may not be a popular answer, but I think if you have an opportunity to go watch him, he's a great golfer. Uh, he obviously performed really well at the Masters, won the U.S. Amateur last summer up in New Jersey. So um, just being able to go as close as you're going to be able to get to him compared to what someone who may have watched him at the Masters or even at the U.S. Amateur, you're not going to be able to get closer to him than you will out at Greyhawk. Um this one is for really all three of you, but Frazier, I'm going to start with you because you're so plugged into maybe the uh, the, the the ebbs and flows of, of coaching. A lot of and this has been a already we've seen um, the assistant at Vanderbilt, Gator Todd. He's going to take over Kentucky's program starting next year. Uh, Bill Alcorn is the assistant in Oklahoma. He's going to take over TCU next year. And, um, you know, there's probably some other moves that are going to be made. And this is a place, you know, the national championship where it kind of elevates those assistants to get that next position. I mean, last year, you know, Jean-Paul Hebert, the assistant of Texas, well, immediately after that, he takes over at UNLV. Um, not starting rumors, just kind of maybe a couple names that you're thinking that this could potentially be that springboard that puts an assistant coach or like a, a head coach at a D2 level. Like maybe what are some coaches that may be making the next step um, after this year? Uh, I mean, obviously to get your team to, to nationals is a lot. So there, there's a lot of great coaching going on. Um, when I think of these the coaches that are here, there's some – I don't know. I mean, there, there, there's a, there's a, there's young guys that are at schools that are building great resumes that are probably going to get bigger jobs. Is what is what I'm thinking? Yeah. Uh, a guy like Jake Amos at East Tennessee State, uh, a great program with a great tradition. Uh, um, they signed Rory McIlroy. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's done an amazing job there. Uh, Blaine Woodruffson his first year at Chattanooga. He's he's been a successful assistant at a lot of places. Um, I think he's his first year has been remarkable, and he's starting to build a a strong resume that in a few years when some big school comes knocking, you know, he's probably going to have a great opportunity to, to really step up. Um, you don't know. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Um, well, we're going to ask uh, you guys again and give some predictions. We rarely do that here. Fortunately, I can abstain because I'm the host and I just put it all on you guys. You have to give predictions on, on who you see. But um, one of the thing I wanted to guys touch on before we move to that is, you know, we're still in the infancy of PGA Tour U, and I think we've seen it affect college golf in a positive way, but it is also something that these players need to focus on a little bit more because it has ramifications on their next step to the professional ranks. So it does give a great uh, pathway for them to start their professional careers. Um, how do you see PGA Tour U and, and Lance, if you want to start with this and talk about maybe the direction of PGA Tour U or, um, you know, Cameron, do you want to jump in and, and talk about maybe how you think it's benefited college golf and, and also if it's caused maybe a slight distraction? I don't know. Yeah, slight distraction would be a good way of putting it in some places. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of, of you know, when you talk about, access for these college players to get to the next next stop um you know nba nfl and major league baseball nhl they all have a draft these these kids these that are the best players in the, at the collegiate level have a d- 
direct path to get to the next level. Uh, PGA Tour, LPGA Tour has never really had that. They've had to go a completely different route. Basically, re re earn yourself requalify requalify yeah. so everything you've done to become the best player in the nation at the amateur level that didn't mean anything because then you had to go compete against all those guys that were some of the best players and it's for some of those guys it took years decade to get there so i've always been a fan of getting the today's stars directly onto the pga tour directly onto the lpga tour um i always thought that a, that a a, a final stage Q school type tournament, six, eight round event, two weeks after the NCAA or a week after the NCAA, whatever it may be, with X number of seniors or juniors, whatever the qualifications might be or the criteria might be, to go play for it. You know, you, you, you earn the spot by being a top ranked senior. Sure. Now you go play for it. Whoever wins the eight round event, the six round event, full, full PJ tour card. I feel like with. What PGA Tour U has done, I think that it is it is it is made something really important, and it is a distraction at times to the teams. And coaches have told me this. This isn't just me saying this. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not bash I'm not bashing it from that standpoint. Coaches have said this, and a lot of them will not say it publicly. Uh, but you do have kids that it's the that's that is often maybe more important to them than the team environment. Or whatever that may be. There's plenty of cases of, of, of this being said. And so while I really like the concept, I don't know if it, I feel like there's some issues there. Right. Um, you know where I'm going with this. I do. <laughs> um, no. Without, you know, so I, and if you continue to tweak it, whatever you might do, I just feel like it's become too important. Uh, it, it's more important maybe to some kids than the actual college game itself. And I don't think I'm out of bounds by saying that. No, and also, I mean, I kind of feel the same way that, you know, if a kid finishes 14th in PGA Tour U, all it's really giving him is a handful of starts on Latin America or Canada. Right. And a reshuffle can, you know, if he gets off to a slow start after the reshuffle, it's like all that stuff he accomplished to get to number 14 in PGA Tour U is out the window. And I also feel that if you're going to play professional golf and you believe that you're good enough to get to the PGA Tour, then you don't necessarily need uh, uh, status from college to get to Latin America. You can go to that Q school and get it on your own and and make your way through uh, Latin, Corn Ferry, PGA Tour. You can get there yourself if you think you're that good. Right. The bottom line is I just don't – I think it's too It's too important. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's maybe bigger than what we're doing on a daily basis in college golf. It's it's gotten so important to the kids, and, and rightfully so. Oh yeah, it's direct. You know, the number one player goes right to the tour, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. But yep. that's the way it should have been for many, many years. Because what other sport has a player that is the best player at their game that they just don't get to go to? You know, best NFL prospect, best yeah. NBA prospect. They're they not getting drafted to the PGA Tour. No, and 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 like I said, I I wish. You know they would have had a, a, a tournament because that's golf. You play for the you play for your spot, and they're playing for it, but in a different type of way. So I, I don't know. I'm sure Ryan's got some thoughts on this because we've talked about it. Yeah, I mean it, and it's I love it. I mean, as far as it, it's keeping kids in school, which I think is great. I mean, I think the longer, uh, especially the guys stay in school, the better off that they are. Uh, the more prepared they are for the tour life, which can be very lonely um, and it's just difficult. So I love that it's 
it's keeping guys around and, and, and playing college golf a little longer. Um, but it's a huge distraction. Uh, it's a distraction for not just the seniors, but the juniors are they're they're thinking about it. And then you have underclassmen that are thinking like, okay, are we playing a tough enough schedule at my school? Do I need to go? Do I need to go somewhere else and, and play a better schedule to get this ranking and stuff like that? So it's 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 good and it's yeah. Well, and the other thing about this bad. is is the transfer portal is such a big topic in all of college athletics. Yeah. Well, PGA Tour U. Uh, in the ranking system uh, adds to the transfer portal because you have a really good player at a mid-major school, someone who might not play the type of schedule they need to play that, that, that they could earn their way up the PJ tour U ladder. So what do they do? They jump in the portal to try to get to a better school. We might see a kid on a 25th ranked team jump to a team that's ranked 10th just because they might play a better schedule. And he might get better points. That, that I don't think anybody likes that. No, and there's the risk that you may have be you may be the number one or two player on that team, and you say, "Oh, I need to jump to a, a better team that has a better schedule," and you run the risk of not making that lineup, and now uh, you lose an entire year of playing experience that probably is going to benefit you in the long run, as opposed to maybe jumping, like I said, you know, getting a 14th in, in PJ Tour right. U. What does that really mean for a 30-year professional career? I just think there's all these decisions that we've seen in college golf throughout the years with the tournament championship, with the championship format and whatnot, there's always unforeseen circumstances. There's yeah. always things that you can't predict. And I think that what's with the combination of the portal and maybe NIL money or whatnot, it, and in the PJ Tour U, the way it's structured – Four years ago, we wouldn't have predicted what's going on right now with kids doing this sort of thing. And it's just an unforeseen circumstance, and I don't particularly care for it. I know a lot of people involved in the game worry about it, but, you know, it is what it is. All right, so so let's do this. Let's kind of preview a little bit of of the top teams we're going to be seeing this week. Get an idea of your thoughts on their chances before we get into predictions. So let's just start right at the top. Let's talk about Vanderbilt. Go ahead, Frazier. I mean, they, I've, they've got the deepest seven players in the country. Uh, only five get to play. Um, they, they have Gordon Sargent, who's just an absolute stud. PGA Tour accelerated. Uh, he's got a chance of that in three years. Um, but the, and, they, and they've got a lot of seniors that, and, and some of those seniors are coming back next year. So they're 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 loaded. They're talented. They can win anywhere. They have won anywhere. They've won a lot the last two years, a lot, and um, they're, they're going to be a tough team. Lance, talk to me about the Tar Heels from North Carolina. Well, I was getting ready to talk to you about Vanderbilt a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut <laughs> you off. Well, no, I was just going to say about Vanderbilt. I don't know. If, you know, they've been the most dominant team in college golf the last two years. Maybe their head-to-head winning percentage is probably the best. Uh, there's been times when we've seen a little, almost a peak of greatness from them when they've, they've rattled off some incredible you know, streaks of, of beating teams and compiling huge stroke differentials. So, obviously um, – the top team in college golf the last couple of years, but we all know what that means. It doesn't always fare well for the top team in college golf. Cameron, talk to me about North Carolina. You know, I, I think North Carolina is an interesting team. They can easily get in the match play, and they're so deep. David Ford, Austin Greaser, Ryan Burnett. Ryan Burnett is actually a guy who I think could also win the individual title. He was one of four players who was tied Great point. for the lead last year and was in the playoff, lost to Gordon Sargent for the individual title. He knows how to play this golf course. He's coming in playing really, really well. I mean, not only could he win, he could he could help lead them to a to, to match play, and then from there you just have to see what happens. Uh, this is one team that that I always kind of look at that they they're solid every single year. 
they maybe aren't at the, the I guess the sexiest pick because they're in the Midwest and you know they they play a lot of really tough golf courses, uh, but they're so well coached. I mean, Mike Small at Illinois just qualified for the U.S. Senior Open. He might be the best damn player on the team, and he's the coach. <laughs> Um, talking about the, the fighting Illini, what chance do they have? Well, wouldn't that be great if the coach could sub himself into play? I mean, I, think I mean, there's some good players here coaching-wise. J.C. Deacon, all the yep. other one. Yeah. A lot of them. He's a Florida Open. He's yeah. a Florida Open champion. You know, but Illinois, you know, Mike's, this, some people have talked about this team possibly being Mike Small's best team. Um, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but the stats kind of back it up. But uh, definitely, uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are cheering for Coach Small to win a championship, just like Matt Thurman in Arizona State. Um, so wouldn't, wouldn't, I don't think it would shock anyone if, the, if they can get into the top eight and then reel off a few wins. So, yeah, they, they, their chances are as good as anyone. Arizona State's uh, really ranked fourth in, in golf stat, and, and I'm kind of looking – I'm thinking back to maybe the higher profile players that they had on last year's team, you know, Cameron Sisk, Mason Anderson. But again, they're right there with a chance to get to uh, to win a national championship on on home soil. I mean, is this the time for the Sun Devils? They could be, and and they've got they got two great freshmen. Um, Luke Potter was an absolute stud in junior golf. Um, played has had a really strong freshman year. I think he gets kind of overlooked. Uh, but it has a, had a great one, and they have the um, Michael. I'm going to destroy his last name. Um, his name's Michael. You're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, Michael. We'll, yeah. we'll just go with Michael. And of course, they get they got uh, Preston Summerhays and Jose and, and Riggs Johnsons from Montana. So I mean, nothing wrong with Montana. Nothing. Okay. So uh, no, yeah, no. He was a great three point shooter. I know, a good basketball player. So Lance would probably like him. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, they've they've got good team. Cameron, Texas Tech is at five. Is it possible that they're a little bit similar to the Stanford women where they will go as far as like Stanford with Rosang? Is that the dynamic around Texas Tech with Aberg? Like if, if he's on, they have a chance to go far. But if he's not, you know, what, what do you think about that team? Yeah, you know, he's kind of carried them all year long, especially in the fall. Callum Scott was a really big part, too. And he's somewhat fallen off this spring he's still playing well but not as strongly as he was at the beginning part of the year but this team just I, I it's a great comparison I mean Ludwig isn't quite the amateur that Rosang was but this team goes as he does and when he plays well they have a chance to win now come match play they're going to need some other folks to step up because Callum and Ludwig can beat anybody when they're on, when they're on their A game but who else in the lineup is going to step up is it going to be Jack Wall he's a guy who can play really well in big situations but um, yeah, this is a team that is probably one that a lot of people think may not make the match play. They think that Ludwig may play well and other areas may fall short. But um, yeah, I, I agree. It's a great comparison to as far as he can take them. That's how far they'll go. Stanford is at six. Um, I mean, obviously, they have one of the biggest uh, uh, drivers of the golf ball in their lineup, Michael Thurbjornson. He's a, a finalist for the Haskins Award and really probably at the, at the top with Gordon Sargent and Aberg. Um they they went pack twelves, I you know I I guess for me I've always kind of been waiting for Stanford to do something. They got you know Carl Phillips and you know Ethan and uh, you know they have just this powerful lineup. But I'm kind of waiting. Is it going to happen? It happened in 2019, so it's, I know, it's not but been it's, that long. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, no, but this is a different group. And um, yeah, I mean Carl Phillips and Michael Thor- Thorbenson's great. Phillips is great. They've, they've got a, a, some seniors, Barkley Brown. Um, Ethan Ng, Nate Menon, like they're they're an experienced group. Yeah. FSU is at seven. Talk about the Seminoles. 
you know, Florida State, Luke Clanton is another freshman who's had a really good year. Um, I think he's someone who, although he's coming in, I think he's in their five spot. He's someone who could have a really big week, I think. He's kind of – he's had some really good finishes this year. One um, regional. Yeah. He, he's uh, – but Florida State is a team that I think could find its way into match play. Cole Anderson is obviously another great player. Um, it's okay. it's a lineup that can go fairly deep. I mean, there. this is one of the teams that may not be talked about as much coming in, but it wouldn't be a surprise to see them make a run. And then, you know, as we kind of round out that top eight, we're looking at teams that are kind of bunched up really in the rankings. So I'm just going to have you kind of address all three of them um, at, at, you know, Pepperdine, Florida, Oklahoma. Uh, I, I kind of see that, I mean, gosh, what, you know, Pepperdine basically has a completely different team. They picked up Luke Gifford from USF. Um, you know, Minetti transferred out to UNC. Uh, you know, they have, they still have Mao. They still have uh, uh, Hitchner, but they kind of are a, a new look from a team that just won the national championship two years ago. So, you know, what what do we see out of them? Yeah, ben, repeat those teams again. Who did you say? I said Pepperdine. Yeah. University of Florida. Yeah. University of Oklahoma. There's your winner, probably from that group. Okay. They, that's what this format's all about. Okay. That's probably the group of teams where the winner will come from. I mean, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. Oklahoma, we all know what that team, how they how they go about their business. I mean, Hibbles is good a coach in the country. They have they have players that can get it done. I mean, that's a, probably a good match play group. Yeah. Um, Florida has three, maybe when those three, uh, Castillo, um, Yushin, and uh, Biondi, when they're playing well. I mean, I mean, we saw that at the Haskins Award Invitational, Haskins Invitational. Those three are as good as any. So, and then who is the third team in there? Pepperdine. Yeah. I mean. They've experience here. They know what the, you know. Some of the coaching staff knows what to do. So, in this format, that's probably your group that you really want to keep an eye on. Uh, we're going to get out of here, and um, but I want to get some predictions and things that you might see. Let's pick some winners for individual. Let's pick some winners for uh, the team title. Uh, Cameron, you're the you're the the young buck. So let's give you the first. Uh, let's let you uh, get a little bit of an advantage over these two old guys here that have seen it uh, for several, several years. So what are you looking for for an individual winner? And also, what are you looking for out of the team winner this year at the 2023 National Championship? Well, I guess I can't switch these up since my official picks are coming out on golfweek.com in the morning. But uh, individually, I, I went with Ludwig Aberg. Um, I just, four wins in his last six starts, um, that's just at the college level. He's also played really well in a couple of PGA Tour events as well. I don't think there's any player on the men's side in college golf who is going to be at Greyhawk who is playing better golf than him right now. Just yesterday in a practice round, he shot 59 and had a putt for 58. I mean, it's just how strongly he's playing right now. I think that um, he's going to be able to carry that on. This is a It's a gruesome tournament. He's played some four-round tournaments recently, and these guys are all used to playing 54 holes, and that may help him on come Monday. Um, but I just think that Ludwig is the guy who's going to win on the team side. I kind of went back and forth. I don't, I think Vandy at the beginning of the year was kind of that one team that everybody yeah. thought, okay, this is Vandy's year. Um, they haven't been as strong this spring. They've still been really good, uh, but they haven't quite been that dominant force. Um, but I'm going with a team that had a, had a record showing at regionals and I think has a really good opportunity to play well at Greyhawk, especially if the wind does what it has because they're so good at driving the ball. And that's Georgia Tech. I know Ryan mentioned Christo Lamprecht earlier. Um, you have Ross Steelman. You have uh, Connor Howe. I mean, they're a really uh, – Hiroshi Tai as well. Yeah. They're a really deep lineup. Not only can any of those guys go low, Connor finished tied for third at 14 under in the regional. Um, any of, All those guys have, have 
won trophies this year or been near the top of leaderboards. Come match play, that's going to be a really difficult team to get out because one through five, they can win any matchup. So I just think Georgia Tech is built for a tournament like this. I think they're built to have success not only in stroke play, but match play, which is how you win the title now. And I, that, So that's my pick. Frazier, you have great relationships with so many players and so many parents of these players that are in the field. So let's get you on the record to anger every single player and parent that you know, except for one. So uh, your individual and your team uh, pick, please. I'm going to take an easy ray out on the individual. Not surprising that you would do this. Arizona State's Preston Summerhays. Okay. I mean, how how are we not taking a, a local kid pretty much who's knows this course really well um a great team too that could they could potentially win it but uh uh you know coach thurman's done an, an amazing job at both washington and arizona state it's it's you know i i think i don't know i'm not picking them for the team but i do think preston's a, a strong contender for the individual uh among a really strong field um and with the team i've been saying for a couple weeks now and they did it what they did at regionals was very impressive. And I also have been going with Georgia tech. Um, I wow, think two Georgia tech picks, you know, they, they've not had great success here. They made, I think they made the, the, the 15 cut both years. Um, but they haven't really sniffed, make a match play, but, uh, they, they, they've, they've got a five really strong players. And, and I mean, Vanderbilt, I, I also agree. I mean, they're, they've been the best team, but I think they could be like Stanford. They, you know, maybe they win the stroke play. Maybe, um, but you know, it's, it's a match play game not, they don't have good match play players, but there's, and I could, I could list 10 more teams. I think yeah. could have a real chance, but my pick is George Tech. And, and actually before Lance, you give me your picks. I, you mentioned Arizona state Preston Summerhays. This is the third year that the national championship is here uh, at Greyhawk in Scottsdale. It's Arizona state's backyard. Greyhawk isn't their home course, but this is their backyard. Last year, they get to the finals. They have this great crowd support. They don't get it done against Texas, but this is their last chance to win a national championship. You didn't, neither one of you picked them. Uh, I mean, I know you're not picking them, but what kind of pressure do you think this team is under to do this in front of their home crowd? I, I, I think it's a lot. You know, you, yeah. when you when you go to uh, any national championship on, on a home course or a regional, there's a there's more pressure on those those players and and even you know it's not their home course but i'm sure they've played here plenty of times so the expectations is they're going to do well but they know more of the trappings of the course so they might you know take more conservative routes or or more aggressive lines that other teams aren't going to do that might lead to a big number so it's 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 difficult to play when you're hosting i mean it's a great advantage and i think everyone wants it but at the same time there's it's difficult Lance, bring us home. Who's going to win the national championship? Well, you know, we start. We'll start with the individual race, and and it's easy to pick. You know, the favorites, Gordon. You know, whoever the top big three. But I'll take the field every day against any major, whatever. It's just the way it is. And so I went. I dug a little deeper and tried to find someone who's hot. Yeah. Who's playing well? Someone who's got ex- maybe more experience playing in this part of the country. And I went with Connor Howe. Uh, you know, man, he, I did not see this no, coming. No Georgia Tech and, all and, over the place. And, so, and, he, and here's the deal on this: he finished, I believe, and Ryan can can back me up because he he knows stats. He remembers the numbers, but I think top maybe third at the Maui Gym, yeah. uh, which is just up the road here. Um, the past month, top three at the ACC, uh, top three at the regional, yep. another tenth place finish somewhere. So he's playing very good golf right now. So. You know, 
that probably is going to translate into him having a good week. Now, whether or not he wins, I don't know. But I feel like he can get himself into contention come this third and fourth round. So, you know, I, I always try to find somebody other than the favorite because that's no fun picking the favorite every week. I'd but, like to interject. I, I think that's another Boyd Summer Hayes student too so yeah oh my god so anyway so, so you know my Preston pick. I, I'm, I'm looking i'm looking in his direction for the individual title and then on the team side of things <laughs> i mean last year was crazy right one through eight that never happens right that, you know, it's not gonna happen again if it if, it's just not gonna happen um you know vanderbilt's not gonna win i mean they're they're not gonna win <laughs> okay. I mean, there's just all right uh, we, we one team okay. one team is the number one team in the country has done it before, and it was Oklahoma State, correct? Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma State was really good. Vanderbilt's not in that category as what far as very few teams. That, I mean, we talked about that Oklahoma State team being one of the best college teams in the history of the game. There's nobody here this week that qualifies for that, so we're not going to pencil any of those ones or twos right to the win. So then, who is going to win? Well, history tells us in this match play format that the team that usually wins is usually a team ranked around seventh in the country. Well. Florida, Florida State, uh, teams teams in that range, and so you know Georgia Tech falls down that down that line a little bit. So I went with um, the obvious choice of Florida, right? Three headed monster when they're playing well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Beyond the Lynn, Ricky Castillo. Yeah, I mean, Chris. if they can get themselves, see, all they have to do is get into the top eight. That's all they have to do. That's the trick. You get in the top eight, and then anything can happen. And that's what's happened. If you're a four, five, six, seven, eight seed, you usually win. One, twos, and threes don't have much chance. And that's why you love match play so much for the <laughs> national championship. Love it. Yes. It's just, just crown somebody in a different format that gets a championship. I mean, it's just okay. – yeah. I mean, it's fun. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's there at times it's way more exciting, but at times it's not. And we've seen both sides of it. Um but I, you know, you just I can't lean towards the favorites. This format does not lend itself to to a favorite winning. It, it balances the field, and yeah. so in that case, I always look at those teams. You know, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, we're going to get out of here, but before we do, uh, just a quick reminder, everyone listening, uh, voting is open for the Haskins Award. It is open to any D one player, D one coach. D1 sports information director and esteemed members of the uh, uh, college golf media, much like yourselves. Um, before we get out of here, uh, our host here this week, uh, Brian Stubbs uh, of, of the Haskins Award. We're at, I mean, we are literally recording this right now at the Haskins House. Now we kind of have some set rules that exactly exactly what happens at the Haskins House stays at the Haskins House. But it, this is open to any one of you. What has been the most fun aspect of staying at the Haskins House this week? I'll, here? S- I'll start. Okay, uh, Uncle Ben cooking. Okay, well, Uncle Ben's cooking. There's one thing. <laughs> I mean, yes, he's, he did laundry. He's done he's done some laundry as well. I mean, I'm well. You know, I want to. I want to make sure that I get an invite to next year's Haskins House in uh, in California because uh, I hear that Haskins. We got a beachfront property already uh, where that, uh, that we're they're scoping out. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, yes, I have uh, been in the kitchen and everyone seems to be healthy so far. Uh, Cameron, what what's your favorite part of the Haskins House so far? I mean, Lance kind of stole the thunder there. I mean, Uncle Ben with the cooking, with okay. the cleaning. I mean, he's just taking care of everybody. I'm not doing everyone's cleaning, okay? <laughs> I made a couple dishes. Let's not make it sound yeah. like I'm the den mother here. Oh, he's done a good job. Yeah, yes. on, on, a, on a serious note, I've really appreciated, again, going back to this being my first year in college golf, 
I hadn't met I hadn't met Ben before this week. I hadn't met Ryan before this week. Obviously, I work with Lance and had met Stubbs earlier this year. Being around a bunch of like-minded people who understand college and amateur golf and know have known some of these players since their junior days and know them really well in their college days and getting to talk with folks who have such extensive knowledge of this game. His, I've learned so much this week, and it makes me realize that I have a lot more that I want to learn and need to learn to be able to write good stories and just learn about college golf. But it's been it's been great so far just like listening to all the knowledge that you guys have and just the expertise you have in this game because college golf is in a great spot right now. Um, and, I, and being able to learn from folks like you has just made it a great experience. Well, Cameron, it's been great to get to know you too. And I love your enthusiasm. You, 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 it's great to see someone a youthful writer with, with a lot of enthusiasm for college golf. Okay, calling I, Lance old. Love it. Right before we close wow. out the episode, hey, Lance I'm, is old. Love it. I'm pretty old too, though. That's, I know. But, kind of a shot of myself okay. as well. But it, it's, been, it's been fun um, hearing all the stories. Lance has got, I assume, he's got the most involved in the college world. Um, you know, you're always at all the amateur events. You know the players so well. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. I always talking with you. I, I love Ben stories. And um, our, our host here, Mr. Stubbs, Brian Stubbs with the Hassan's Award, um, he's got a great insight to running amateur tournaments, to to, to the Haskins history and everything. So it's, it's just been a lot of fun just hearing everyone's uh, world that attaches to, to the college golf scene. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely from my perspective been a lot of fun as well. And I, I have to cut this episode short because I think I have a lasagna in the oven apparently that I'm making for you guys. So uh, we will close this out. Guys, uh, we'll get ready for a great national championship. And uh, thanks for being here at the back of the range. Thank you. And there you have it. Special thanks to Cameron Jordan and Lance Ringler from Golf Week and Ryan Frazier from Agora Golf for joining me on this NCAA Division I Men's Preview episode. Lots more content, conversations from this national championship here at Greyhawk. So make sure you're subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For all the information you need to find, go to thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.